Hello, hello. Today, I have a great, great conversation with Katie Carroll. Katie Carroll is a pediatric nurse, but she has a great story. And it's funny because I don't know most of my guests. I meet them because they reach out and want to be a guest or I reach out to them and they fill out an application. And so I take what's on their application and and then they might put some topics they want to talk about. But she was a burned out pediatric nurse and she's gotten into helping other nurses. But that was so not the best part of our conversation, although it's great what she does and she's very passionate about it and I'm excited for her, how she got there and the challenges that she had and how she was so stuck. It was so good. And we often find ourselves in these places and we we have these whispers. She had these whispers, but she ignored them. She suppressed them. And then something happened pivotal, I think. She said that she lost her job, which led her to a new opportunity. And we, of course, always think, oh, my God, how am I going to get money? I'm, I don't have a paycheck coming in. But she didn't it didn't take long. You know, she's a nurse to find something else. And it led her to an opportunity to and that then made her realize that the thing that was whispering to her was possible. And so that that was the pivotal thing that sent her on this journey. I say it's her it's her Katie finding herself journey because she wasn't herself. She wasn't being her most authentic self. She was actually miserable and searching for her soulmate and in this place of not being happy with herself. So how can you find somebody else and then be happy if you're not really happy internally with yourself? And so she went on this journey and then she started to find herself. And in particular, something she said, it just struck me because it's something, and you'll hear in the episode, something one of my college roommates said to me, and it just struck me when she said it because it was like, oh my gosh, yes, you're right. You're right. So when Katie told me her friend said this, I was like, yes, I knew that Katie is fully aligned in life with where she's where she is and where she's meant to be and her friend saw it and described it to her and and it was before Katie met her soulmate and guess what when that happens your soulmate arrives so it was such a great conversation. I had so much fun talking to her about that and it was totally unexpected, like I said, because it wasn't something that was in her application. Uh, I think I saw that she got married later, uh, and she, but she hadn't, hadn't been married that long. But uh, yeah, and it totally didn't happen the way she wanted it to, and which is why I talked about this topic on my previous episode, because the interview I had and recorded with her, it was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to talk more in depth about this and why this happens, why you want something so bad and you you can't get it. You it it just stays away. And and why does that happen? And so I I did an episode, my last episode is about that. But yeah, you'll hear exactly how that happened for Katie. So, no further ado. 
Here's my interview with her. Hi, I'm Lori Wright, also known as Not Your Average Grandma. I created this podcast as a place for women in their second half of life to go to to receive inspiration. If you are at a place where you believe your best days are behind you, it is my hope one of these episodes will spark you to think differently and lead you to a new belief that your second half may actually be your best half. I want you to stop seeing your age as a limitation and start seeing it as your superpower. You have years of experience and value that the younger you never had. So it's time to lean into that and use it to fuel your future. No more letting age or circumstances hold you back from the pursuit of a more fulfilling and fun life. The happier we are, the better the world will be. So instead of settling for what you don't want, how about going after what you do want? Listen in and let something you hear prompt you to take the first step in making the rest your best. Welcome to another episode of Living Your Sparked Second Half. And I have with me today, Katie Carroll. Hi, Katie. Hi, Lori. <laughs> I I'm so excited that you have an easy name to pronounce. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I, I hit record and I'm like, oh, I forgot to ask them how to pronounce their name. Ditto. So, yes. Yes. It's a very good name. So yes, you, you nailed you, it. Yes. We met on Facebook in a yes. podcasting group. Yes. Katie has a podcast. You want to yes. talk about your podcast and what you do and introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, first of all, for asking me to be on your show. I'm so excited. It's been a very long time since I've been interviewed. So it's nice to kind of switch roles. So my name is Katie Carroll, and my podcast is Thriving Joy with Katie Carroll. And I love how Lori just told me that her middle name is Joy. So this was meant to be. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to start a podcast probably back in 2016. I bought the microphone and everything. And I didn't launch until 2020. So there's that whole thing there of waiting until you're ready. And I was didn't never we meet ready. in that comment. Somebody said, how long did it take you to start your podcast? Yeah, that, probably. That was, yeah, because me yes. three years. So you and yeah, I are three very... years. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's so funny. So of course, I launched in June of 2020, which we can all remember was a crazy time for everyone. So you might think like, why was that the right time to start a podcast? Well, I had moved in with my now husband, April 1st of 2020. We decided to move in together like December 2019. So we had no idea COVID was going to hit. And here I was moving in and I'm a nurse. I worked day shift at the time. I was mandated to nights. My family got sick with COVID. It was such a scary time. And I launched a podcast. But I think why not now? Why not? Right. I think that so many other scary things were happening in my life that I'm the type of person that likes to put a lot on my plate. So I just put one more scary thing on my plate. I was at home definitely more than not even though I was still working three twelves a week, but I thought I might as well while I'm home. So I launched it mostly because podcasting, or I should say listening to podcasts helped me through the deepest burnout and depression of my life that I went through about 10 years ago. So I wanted to put it out there to the world if it could help one more person, like the way podcasting helped me that I thought it would be worth it. Yeah, that's so terrific. I think the best way to start something is if the desire is to help other people. Mm. 
And even if it's just one person, if you have it in your heart to share something you learned or became wiser by, I think the tougher the experience, the more your voice needs to be heard. Mm. And so, and and especially during COVID, I think you, maybe you were driven and maybe it was a scary thing to do, but it sounds like you were more driven by helping people who needed to hear your voice during that time. Mm. And you saw a need because nurses, I can't even imagine cops and nurses. Mm. Yeah. There's a pandemic and we all run for cover, but those are jobs you can't. Right. You can't. Yeah. It was definitely looking back. And I'm sure we can all look back and say, wow, you know, we made it through that. And it feels like sometimes, you know, when I feel like I'm talking now, it's all it's always before COVID or after COVID. Right. That's how we identify our timelines now. <laughs> yeah, so true. And at 9-11, it was before and after that. And it's right. like those big events. Yeah, right. I, I often feel so you know, bad for the the kids who suffered, mm-hmm. the seniors in high school who missed those big events like yes. prom and graduation and the kids that were experiencing their first year in college or even their last year in college, the people whose right. weddings had to get put off. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just so many life events. You know, yeah. I feel like being at the age I am, I was lucky to be, there's very few things when you get to our age and you think, oh my gosh, uh, I like being older. It's like <laughs> when there's a pandemic, you got to shut down everything. It's well, it's not, it's not affecting me. Right. I'm not having my prom. <laughs> right. I know. Well, you know, it's funny because my husband and I always say that we're so happy we met in August of 2019. And oh, yeah. he had been, we had both been single for many years. And thank goodness we met then because the world shut down and dating and I have a couple single girlfriends and you know they talk about it here we are three years later and they're still trying to make up for lost time because it was just a very difficult time if you were single and looking for a partner during that time yes so true yes how did you meet on match.com oh yeah that's the thing nowadays it is you just have to be very careful. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. I had done it many years before, and obviously it never worked out. And one of my coworkers was coming up on her one-year anniversary with the man she was dating that she met on Match. And she just said to me, just give it one more try. Mm. And I rejoined on a Friday night after work. I came home, poured myself a glass of wine, rejoined, signed up for six months. And the next day I had an email from a guy named Peter and that was it. Oh, gave me chills. <laughs> I love the one more time. That yeah. is like a message from somewhere else that mm. you're supposed to do it. And so many times we poo that and we're right. like, oh, that's silly. That's crazy. And we talk ourselves out of it. Right. But if it's it's coming from somewhere as a right. thing that you should do, follow it. And I think I was definitely, I know I was definitely in a different place in my life than I had been those years prior. And so I think my mind was more open, my heart was open again. And it just, you know, meshed. And, you know, we met a couple days later, you know, for our first date. And, you know, like I was saying, before we hit record, it's been a whirlwind of, you know, four years, almost, yeah, four years. And yeah, we look back now, we're like, wow, we could get through anything because the world has thrown a lot at us over these past four years. (laughs) I love re- the love later in life. Mm. The con- I was going to say reconnections, but the connections, the, you know, it just 
examples of it being possible. Mm. One day you're separate, you're looking, and the next day you're connected and the whole future is entwined from that point on. I love that. So it sounds like you hit it off immediately. We did. We did. He made me laugh, you know, the first day we were messaging. And, you know, I was so nervous when he was coming to pick me up and sweating. It was a hot August day. And he got lost in my apartment complex because it was so confusing. And he made me laugh. And I always said I want to find someone that makes me laugh. And to this day, I mean, it's like, it's constant. So, you know, it was, I think, some people are just meant to be when it's the right time and the right place. And it, you know, it just flowed and I'm so thankful. So he's, he was local to you. A lot of times when you meet somebody, my brother and sister-in-law, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law met online and they didn't live in the same town. So she moved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We were pretty much, you know, about 40 minutes apart. And then I moved down here to be with him April 1st, 2020. So That's awesome. So you were single for you. Was that your first marriage? That was my first marriage. Yeah. First engagement, first marriage. So that's like a whole part of my story, too, where I I thought I had it all planned out. I thought I was going to be married with four kids by the time I was 35. And, you know, I journaled about it. The last year in nursing school, we wrote a where do I see myself in five years? And that is really like the crux of my story is that as I entered my mid thirties to late thirties to 40, I fell into the deepest burnout depression of my life because it wasn't anything like I thought or had planned. And of course it was happening to everybody around me. Everybody was getting married. I was the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Everybody was having kids. Um, 17 dresses. Is that the Um, name of the movie? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so it, you know, I love what you do here and talking about like the second half of your life and I'm 46 years old, but I do feel my, like my life looked very different than most 46 years old, 46 year olds in that, you know, we just celebrated our two year wedding anniversary where some of my friends are celebrating their 20 year, 15 year, yep. and some of their kids are in college. So it's, I lived a d- very different life up until, you know, that point and we don't have children. And, you know, that's another whole thing that, you know, most of the people I know have children, right? So, you know, it's been- And he doesn't have children either? No, no children. Yeah. That's interesting. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was curious, and we talked about this a little before I hit record, because my episode, my last episode was about really, who are you really? And it, it's really my attempt at getting people to look at how they're showing up. And if they're showing up in a way that is aligned with our deep down, which many have lost sight of because mm-hmm. they're trying to please other people and they're trying to fit into the world and this construct that has been created for them by their neighborhood, by their teachers, by their parents, m- more than any influence. And so we start out being who we really are when we're really little. Right. And then we get shaped into a mold oftentimes that our parents want us or that we think our parents want us to be. And then we go on this journey of doing all those things that then becomes repetition and habit. And then at some point 
we just are unconscious about the way we go about our life and we end up mm. being unhappy and unmotivated about what we do. Right. And we might be good at it, but it's not necessarily what lights us up. And I think mm. a lot of people, and I'm curious because your story is making me think about that in had journaled about how your life would look mm-hmm. and then you fell into this and it's a kind of a doing kind of, and I had a guest on and she struck me with this comment where she had become an alcoholic and she said, mm-hmm. I was a human doing, not a human being. Mm-hmm. And so when you say I, I had a burnout and you were this nurse and you cared for other people, it it seems to me that it has all those signature <laughs> Just you know, like things that happen when you're not like taking care of yourself. You're not looking mm. at what makes me happy, what lights me up. And you're you've even though you have it written down on paper, which a lot of people don't, you're not applying the doing no. to the thing that's going to get you to that what you want. So mm. can you talk a little bit about when I say this, what comes up, what makes you think about, yeah, that I see that. Mm. I'm just curious. Oh, Lori, I feel like when you just said, you know, being unconscious, I feel like when you hear a date, when you hear, I hear 1979, I think, oh, that's when my brother Sean was born or 1983. That's when my brother Tim was born. But when I hear recent dates, like 2013 up to when I met my husband, I kind of think, what was I doing? at that time. And I think that I was on a journey, like a physical journey. I left to be a traveling nurse back in 2006. And I literally traveled. And yes, it was traveling nurse, but I was looking for a husband. I was looking for a partner. You know, I worked in Philly, San Diego, Boston. And I came back home to Jersey because I missed everybody. And everybody was like getting married and starting to have kids. And I was still on that journey. And I was set up on a blind date and I went out on a date with this man and he was great. We actually dated for two years and I thought, okay, maybe this is how it's going to be. You know, it, it didn't feel like, oh, this is it, you know, but I was at a point in my life where I was thinking this is probably, you know, the way it's going to be. And it was good. And we broke up and I was just about to turn 35. And like I was saying, you know, having the dream of being married with four kids by the time I was 35. And here I was breaking up, found myself single, living in a one bedroom apartment. And when you talk about being a human doing, I felt like that's all I was doing. And I'm the firstborn of three. And so I feel as the firstborn, I'm the people pleaser. I was always the good girl. I don't like when people fight or yell. And I always did the right thing. I mean, I was a student, honor roll. I applied to nine colleges. I got into all nine. My dad loves to tell that story. And I only tell it because it goes to show you that I thought I was doing everything right. And I went to nursing school and I passed the boards on the first time and I got the first job I interviewed for and I started working. But then I found myself spiraling into this depression because my life wasn't looking the way it was. But I thought if I did more, then maybe God, the universe would finally give me what I wanted 
So I worked my three days a week as a nurse. I started going back to school for my master's in nursing. I stopped that because it didn't feel right. I went back to school to be a health coach. I worked a per diem nursing job. I said yes to everything and everybody. I woke up on my days off and I didn't stop until I fell into bed at night. I didn't want any time alone with myself. And that's where I feel like I could start crying because I just felt like I just had to keep doing until I found happiness. But yeah, and that is what you knew would give you validation. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing all the right things, but for the wrong reasons. You know, they're the right things for someone else. They're not the right things for you. But that's what we do because that's the human side of us. Right. And we get lost in it because for doers, especially people pleasers and people like who want to be perfect for whoever that is that we're trying to please. Right. There, there's no sitting. (laughs) Right. There's no sitting. There's no. Right. I stop doing that. Just sit because it's then you think all the things I'm not doing. Right. I I do think passing me by. Yeah. Yeah. I also do think, and this was for me, and I think it'll resonate with you, is that I knew that if I sat for too long, I'd realize what I needed to do. And Mm. that was really scary. That's big. Yeah. Yes. Because I was a creature of habit. And I still am in a way. I think we all are in a way. But I did not deviate from my routine every day. And let's say a friend called to have lunch with me and I was in the middle of my laundry or my workout or this. I couldn't deviate. And I was living such a rigid life. Because I felt, no, I have to keep going, right? I have blinders on. I have to keep doing all the things. But, you know, they say, what is it? The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and expecting different results. I was doing the same thing over and over for years. I lived in that apartment for nine years. And I look back and it's kind of a blur a little bit because it was Groundhog Day every day. So nine years was like compressed to me into this small amount of time where I was drinking a lot at night by myself when you were talking about that other woman. I mean, I was coming home from work, pouring that glass of wine, thinking I deserved it, but it was more to numb Mm -hmm. the thoughts and feelings that I had, you know, on a Friday night or Saturday night when I was by myself again, right? As I was getting older, It wasn't like, yeah, let's go to the bars and the clubs on a Friday or Saturday night and look for people. So when it's another habit, you know, it's just just habitual. We stop thinking about what we're doing and why we're doing it. We just keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really profound. Thank you. That's what I can do. Good. My dad always says, when I say, when you want to say something, I'm like, it's right on the tip of my tongue. He always says, stick your tongue out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So now here you are Mm. at this stage of life with a lot more wisdom. Right. And it sounds like you're much more aligned. You really know who you really are at this Mm -hmm. point. You're over, hopefully, the trying to please other people so much. I am. I say I'm a people pleaser in recovery and I'm really working on that. And yes, I it is. A, we're all, yeah, we're, we all, these things, they easily come back. They flare up, as I say. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. My husband helps me a lot with that too. He's eight years older than me. So he always jokes that he's so much wiser than me, you know, but he'll say, well, I went through that or I know how this is going to end, you know, but it's nice having a partner help you with that, right? Because now our focus, you know, we have business meetings. We try to have them like once a week. And we talk about like the house, the finances, what's happening, travel, because my husband travels a lot for work. And, you know, he also says we are the business of us, like us as a couple, right? So when we talk about like date nights or invitations we get to places or, if he's traveling all week, you know, that's a weekend that we probably just want to be home and be together. You know, he'll say, I always plan, I have the whole month planned, <laughs> you know, so he always has to come to me and say, what are we doing on this day? But he has definitely helped me, you know, learn to say no to things a lot of times because my husband and my relationship is my, one of my biggest priorities now in my life. So if it's not really going to benefit us in a way, you know, that helps us and nourishes us, then it's a no. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, you've now you've reached your goal. The long held dream that you wanted is now here and you're not like (laughs) doing the mindless doing still you're in and moving to the next thing. You're actually in the being of appreciating it and not Mm. taking it for granted and making it a priority. And I love that. So what I, what came up for me when you were describing the searching and being the traveling nurse, what came up was, and I see this time and time again with people who are trying to do this thing that is, they want so bad and they just, for whatever reason, it's just out of reach. And sometimes what I talk to people about is their purpose. Like what's your Mm. later in life purpose after the kids have gone. Mm. And what you're describing to me is, you're never going to find it if you're searching so hard for it right. because we're so busy looking ahead that we're not looking right where we're standing. Right. Right. And it, think of yeah, it's where is it out head. there? And yes. if you just stop moving forward, mm-hmm. just stay still. Yeah. Look down. It's, right. it's, we hear that all the yeah, time, you know, yeah. it's within you, but I think, I don't know if we're taught that it's not within us or we're not taught, you know, to stay still. We're taught to just go Yeah. right from the minute we start walking and then growing up and in school, we're just taught to go and do right for, like you said, like the validation and all the accolades, you know, yeah. I know so many women that I talked to, and I'm sure you have too, that like checked off all the boxes, Mm -hmm. but this one box or two boxes, you know, one time I was working in the pediatric emergency room and there was a male nurse and he didn't know I was nearby. And I heard him say to one of the other nurses, you know, typical guy, he's what's wrong with Katie? She's hot. She's a nurse. She seems cool. She's funny, but she's single. Is she crazy? And I heard that. And I will never forget that because I thought that's probably what people think, right? Like they would give you this kind of, oh, you haven't found Mr. Right yet, you know, but they would say, like, well, that's the answer to a full life is somebody right. else has to make that happen. Is that right. to, to complete you, to make you yes. happy? That's the, the worst right. message. And they would say, you're so nice and you're a nurse and you have a great family 
and you're in shape. And that's like a whole other part of my story. I was in the best shape of my life during my deepest depression of my life because I could control that. And I thought, well, if I just look the part, try to look the part, right? But on the inside, my soul was slowly dying, mm. you know, and I would cry into my pillow every night. But nobody knew that except mm. my mom and my best friends because I had to portray to the world that I had it all together, right? Because I was looking for Mr. Right. And I was looking for all of that so hard that I couldn't see really what I had to offer and that I was whole, you know, in and of myself. I didn't have to find someone else. I, you know, I remember one time doing, I don't know if it was a podcast or a Facebook live where I was talking about being whole as you, that you are enough. That's my biggest thing. You are enough. And I say, do you think that on November 22nd, 1976, when the doctor put me in my mom's arms, my mom and dad, I was their firstborn. Do you think that God, higher power universe was like, oh, Lynn and Ken, congratulations, baby girl. She looks great. Okay. But she's not enough. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, this was all I had. Oh, um, no. And, you know, hopefully one day in life, she'll become complete and be enough. And when you think about it that way, you're like, that is so ridiculous because you think about a brand new baby right in your arms and you're not thinking oh i hope they're enough right you're just thinking how beautiful and magical they are but you're right we grow up and we become this person that i thought i'm not enough at all that was my biggest fear that you know i picture my wake and i had never been married no kids no nothing and i just remember people kind of being like did she ever get married did she ever have kids like Oh, that's so sad. So sad. Right. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking that? Right. But those were the thoughts going through my head that I was on this mission. And if I didn't meet that goal, if I didn't complete the mission, then it's all oh, her life, you know, didn't really matter. Right. It's it, there are horrible, sad thoughts, but that's what went through my mind during those days. Yeah, that is such a beautiful way of looking at it. And I hope everybody who is listening has that picture of them the day they're born mm. because we are limitless potential the se mm. second we're born and we know it because we're so connected to our higher self for quite some time until, mm. you know, the world starts telling us how we should be. <clears throat> but I'm curious, I'm there, there's something that shifted in you because your person who sounds perfect for you, like yeah. such a perfect compliment. <laughs> Thank you. But he yeah. wouldn't have been there for you if you hadn't had some shift internally. Mm. Because when you are searching and searching and not just you, but anybody, this applies to you, the listener, if you're in the state and want something and it's just not coming to you. When you're searching, you're putting a neediness energy out into the world. Mm -hmm. You're not putting this attract I, you know, it's like the hard to get, right? Yeah, right. I'm here. Yeah. And if you want me, come find me. <laughs> I did not know how to play yeah. hard to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, well, you can't obviously when you're right. in an apartment by yourself and you don't have right. any social ways, I mean, in this day and age. But honestly, I do believe that the universe would somehow find a way, whether it's a delivery man that comes to your door right. or a friend that says, oh my God, come to dinner with us. And then there's somebody there, you know, so right. there, I, I, 
feel that there is a way, even if you don't take the step to initiate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just curious because I think that you are showing up differently. And I'm wondering if you learned this about when did you have this realization that something was off and you weren't really checking all those boxes mm. and that yeah, you didn't a- need to check the boxes? <laughs> right. That's such a great question, Lori. I think you know, like I said, I want to start a podcast, I think back in 2016. And mm. I'd been going through my depression burnout for a couple years. And I had, you know, a situation and while I was working in the peds emergency room with a patient that, you know, that was really like a pivotal point in my career. I remember my mom saying that night, you know, something has to change. As I was talking to her on the way home from work, And so obviously it didn't happen overnight, but I think I started doing things a little bit differently, like even taking a yoga class. I had never taken a yoga class, but I thought, let me do something different, right? Because that whole thing, like doing the same thing over. Yes. And I started Googling or whatever, you know, at the time, happy podcast, being happy and Lori Harder's podcast popped up, Earn Your Happy. And that was like the first podcast I ever listened to. Nobody was listening to podcasts back then. And then I found a woman who had her own podcast and she was a business coach. And I'm like, maybe I'll sign up with her because I had graduated as a health coach. So I started working with her and then I started going to women empowerment events. And it was my way of trying to believe in myself more. Not that I knew that's what I needed but maybe subconsciously I did. And so I started going to these events, these retreats, listening to these podcasts. And I dated a couple people during those years, but I feel like I was becoming stronger on the inside and knew what I wanted and call it age or wisdom or the belief in myself, the self-care, the love, you know, and that's the thing I always say, people say, do you love yourself? And I would always say I grew up in such a loving family, my mom and my dad and my brothers. I felt so much love all the time and I still do, but I didn't love myself during those years. I was looking at myself, like I said, as empty, not a... Well, you loved the version that you were trying to be and striving to be. That's a good point. And you couldn't accept who you were, who you really were, who was just always a work in progress. Right. So I think that when I finally met my husband, Peter... I was at a point in my life where I had done so much work on myself that I was able to show up as myself a hundred percent that this is me. And also like you were talking about, like meeting later in life, that was four years ago. It's like 42, he was 50. So we had both full-blown careers. He traveled a lot for work. I worked as a nurse, still do. Our families, our friends, our habits. So it was almost like, this is me, you know, take it or leave it. And we both kind of felt the same way when we would start hanging out on the weekends. And I just knew that every Sunday night when I drove home or he would leave my apartment, that I just couldn't wait to see him again. Yeah. Energy, your whole energy shifted. Energy. yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, this is what I want and it's what he wanted. And like I said, it moved so fast, which I'm not surprised because I always thought that's probably how it's going to be. You're not going to date someone for five years when you're 42 and be like, well, you know, I mean, we met in August by December. I was like, 
you want to want to live together we moved together yeah. you know, i'm so glad you never settled because you know when you described you. that story and the dating that person and you were like oh th yeah. this is good Ooh, that is like right horrible sounding it is you would be going through a divorce now oh I'm yeah sure. yeah yeah me oh, too i'm so happy so, I never i'm so settled happy you never did yeah yeah and I, the other thing that i think is that because of what you were exposing yourself to you were around people who maybe you didn't yet believe in yourself but they believed in you yes you had a, a this higher vibing tribe of people that you were mm. saying the events you talked about going to the podcast you are listening to right. simply listening to a podcast that's uplifting it can do wonders mm. for the psyche yeah yes I love that so Thank what you. would advice now that you've shared so much about your story what advice would you give your younger self oh that's such a great question and I love just actually what you just said Lori about surrounding yourself with people that you look up to or aspire to be like, or like their energy. Cause I love that. You said, I put myself in the rooms of those people. I didn't believe in myself yet, but I knew that these were the kind of people that they were giving off some kind of energy that I was attracted to. And so, you know, I think about that question a lot. If I could go back and talk to my younger self in that one bedroom apartment it would be go out and do something different, experience something different. Don't think that because you're a single person that you couldn't go out and explore somewhere, go on an adventure, go on a trip, join a retreat or go to a retreat. I think that I felt like I was talking about having those blinders on that I wish I had someone and maybe that's what those communities did for me is help to take away the blinders and sit with myself. You know, that's why I said I started doing yoga now, like I'm a hardcore yogi and go to yoga like three times a week. It became such a spiritual practice for me because I was able to sit with myself in one of my first yoga classes. I'll never forget. It was like my third class and I'm laying there after class in Shavasana. And the teacher was just talking about appreciating the hard work that you just did. And it's not easy. And all of a sudden the tears started coming down my face as I'm laying on my back and I'm thinking, I hope nobody knows I'm crying. But the more people I've talked to in yoga, they're like, oh, that happens all the time because I was finally able to be with myself and my thoughts and ask, what do you really want? What are you scared of? What do you want to do? Who do you need help from? And so if my advice would be to get in the rooms with people that you enjoy their energy, their presence, and ask for help and resources. Don't think that you have to do it alone because that was me for so long. I thought I have to do it alone. I can't show weakness. I'm a strong woman, right? We hear all these things, society, you're such a strong woman, right? It's ask for help. We're not meant to do this life alone. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, ask for help because there's so much you can learn. I, I always think of people who so stand in their judgment of other people or their ways of their beliefs that they're so set in stone on and they're so limiting themselves from learning more right. is that the more open you are, the more I, I like the term expand, the more you can mm -hmm. expand. But uh, one of the things that I thought of when you're talking about, we don't 
they don't teach that when you're talking mm-hmm. about that, what we're talking about a little bit ago. One thing that they don't teach us because we have to go to the teacher, right? The teacher right. has the answers. Right. What if they taught us that we had the answers? Mm. Oh, I well, love that. Yeah. Because yeah. people don't believe that they have the answers. Mm-mm. And I love that when I learned that so, so late in life. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. if I just stop doing all the doing and just sit still for a minute, or maybe I ask myself the question and say, and just go to sleep and right. say, hey, maybe <laughs> the answer will come when I'm dreaming and I'll wake up with it. And golly right. gee, yeah, that really does happen. Right. And so, yeah, we just spend so much time. There's so much we have in our brain mm-hmm. that is just on pause. Mm. Yes. Oh, that's a good way to it's put in, it. Like it's stored way down there in memory. Yeah. It's all the file system is so you've got to go many layers. Oh my gosh. I know. Like my husband always says, I'll say, should I wear this shirt tonight? Or, you know, and he'll say, you're just going to go with whatever one you like better. And he's always right. Like I ask him, but I'm really like, I hope he doesn't like this one because I kind of wanted to wear the red one. But we do that. We don't trust ourselves. Yes to have the answer when it's there, like it's gnawing at us in our gut, we feel it, we feel it in our heart. But like you said, we're, we are looking for that teacher, or I always say as a nurse for 24 years, I take orders very well from the doctors, right? And that's what I do. I come into work, I follow orders, I take care of my patients, I think I'm a great nurse. But when I was launching my business, I was sitting around like waiting for the orders. And I remember my business coach saying at the time, you're writing the orders now, Katie. Mm. And that took me a while to say, oh, I am? How? And how to trust myself. And that took years to get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I am writing the orders. That's such a good metaphor of waiting for the doctor to write you orders. And there is no doctor when you have your Mm -hmm. own business. You're the doctor and the nurse. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Or you're a very empowered nurse. Yes. Yes. So I'll leave with this question. Okay. What is the scariest thing you've ever done and why? And you said podcast was scary, but (laughs) you can't say that one. (laughs) You know, I guess I can think of a couple things, but I think honestly... I had wanted to be a traveling nurse about maybe four years into my nursing career. I was living with my roommate, Amy. She went to go be a traveling nurse. She asked me to come with her and all her friends. And I just started dating this guy. See, it goes back to that. I thought I was going to marry him. We know how that ended. And she left to travel. And he broke up with me the day I moved into my apartment. This was a different apartment. (laughs) But I started filling out the paperwork to travel. And they would call me and I was so scared because I thought, well, I don't really know like a lot of nursing yet. I've only been a nurse four years and I only worked on a 10 bed pediatric oncology unit. So I would say to them, I'm not ready. My lease on my apartment's not up. The next year they would call me year five, same story, year six, same story, year seven. We went on strike at my hospital for 28 days and I was living alone, single, only knew this job, only had this job. And my coworkers who were older and wiser than me said to me, Katie, you need to go get a job to support yourself. So I just applied to a home care 
nursing job. I got the job. I worked five days a week for a month doing this job. And I was petrified because one of my patients had a trach and I had never worked in the ICU. So I had really never taken care of patients with trachs and on a ventilator. And I was in the home with a child with cerebral palsy and seizure disorder that had a seizure and I had to call the cops. There was no oxygen in the house. It was such a scary time, but we went back to work. And two months later, I left to be a traveling nurse. So what took me three years, almost four years to make a decision, I made in basically three months. And I was so scared, but I knew that this was the sign and that I could no longer stay there. And so I commuted to Philly from where I was living, which was like 90 minutes. I worked night shift, which was crazy. And that assignment was ending. And I packed my bags and my mom hopped in the car with me and we drove across the country and I moved to San Diego for 10 months. And then I came back to Boston for a year and a half. And then I came back to Jersey and I moved around a little bit. And now I'm at my current place of employment for the last 13 years full time. But I think back now, I'm like, I packed a bag and moved to San Diego. I knew no one. I just took a job. I knew no one. They were giving me an apartment. I didn't even have any family in California, maybe a friend or two, like a couple hours away that someone knew a friend of a friend. And I just packed my car and moved there. And so looking back, I'm like, wow, girl, like that, that was a lot for someone who didn't want to leave her 10 bedded oncology unit and her little apartment you just packed a bag and moved across the country. But yeah, I'm curious because that's an interesting story. I'm curious right. what made you, because it's something you wanted and you were denying yourself. Yes. And you were making decisions because for a boyfriend or mm-hmm. a life that you thought you wanted, but in the end, you know, you kept getting all the signs, the life signs that this isn't it. This isn't it. Detour. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Because I think this happens a lot. And that's why I'm asking yeah. a question. There's probably a person listening who has, has some desire that they keep putting off saying, oh, it's too scary, maybe. And I'm not saying it's not scary, right. but they want it. They want it. And they're using other excuses and reasons. But ultimately, I think that which keeps coming up for us ultimately presents itself in kind of this, okay, it's now or never type of thing. Right. And that's when we take action. And we're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done being scared. I'm done settling for what Mm -hmm. I've done saying no to the thing that I really want to do. And I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so can you get your head around that? What it was that you finally was like, okay, I don't care. I'm going to do it. Because it sounds like in the end, You had all the reasons to be scary, but you weren't scared. Right. I think that when the universe pushed me out and we went on strike, I, during those 28 days that we were on strike, my coworker had a barbecue and we were all at her house and we were all talking. How's everybody doing? You know, and I'll never forget. She said to me, you are glowing. And she said, how are you liking that home care job? And I remember being like, 
I love it. I take care of a 13-month-old with the trach on a vent and another little girl with cerebral palsy, with seizure disorder. And I had to call the cops and there was no oxygen in the house. And, you know, she said to me, Katie, I don't know if she said you're thriving, but in my mind, that's what she said. Like you, I know she said you're glowing. And I think it probably hit me like, oh, like you can do other kinds of nursing. And then I decided to be the traveling nurse, even though I commuted 90 minutes, it was still like a little bit safe because I still had my apartment. But when that assignment was ending and now I was in the queue, so I was getting phone calls and they called me San Diego Pediatric Oncology. And my family was so supportive. I mean, my dad and my cousin stood in the driveway and waved goodbye when my mom and I pulled out of the driveway and everybody was crying. But they were all like, Katie, go do it. It's like now or never, right? I was like 29, I think. So it's go do it. We will be here. And I think knowing that support, well, what will happen? What if I completely hate it? It's a 13-week assignment. You can come home. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's so interesting. Time. I think so many paths are because something we, it, you said the 28, right. I don't know, the hospital had a, a lockdown right. or a strike yes. or whatever. And we think, oh, my God, that's horrible. But then it led you to the thing that's going to lead you to the thing. And when you, I got chills all over when you said, Katie, you're glowing, because yeah. I had a friend who told me that very thing. Same exact words, totally wow. different context. Right. But it's something that has come up recently for me as a story I need to tell, mm-hmm. because I think so many people don't understand what it's like when you're fully aligned mm. with who you are and what you're meant to do. And that glowing. Right. And when somebody recognizes it in you and expresses it, I have never forgotten where we were. Yes. When it was what she said and how I never forgot that. And it ultimately led me to to reconnect with my soulmate. Right. And I'm not saying that that. like he's my purpose, but he was my path in life Mm. to Mm. find to finally be who I meant to be, because he's the only he's the only person I ever knew who I could be that with. And here you were being who you really were and doing work that is so in you. Mm. And it was recognized by somebody else. And that is the light. That is the energy and the light that you brought. That's oh. what it looks like to other people is that we glow. Kind of we're glow yeah. when we're in that place. When we feel like, yes, this is truly me and they can see me and I am living mm. and doing and being my most true self in that moment. And as long as you keep a hold of that and you recognize what that is mm-hmm. it's a yeah. feeling i love when you say that lori because it made me think yesterday i was on a zoom training with my old business coach and she actually said something totally about this like being authentic and aligned and she said you've you may have had that representative of you out there for a while and it's time for you to tell the representative thank you so much for your time and energy but I'm back or I'm here. And that makes me think of that because it is, I feel like when I talk about, you know, those years where I felt like unconscious living in my, you know, apartment when I was going through my depression and burnout, I was definitely not aligned. But 
started doing the work on myself. And definitely when I met Peter, it was like, yeah, this is me. I was living my aligned life and, you know, doing the thing I love. I just love that you said that it like got me all choked up, like the glowing in the light, because that's what we were meant to do here on this earth. We were all meant to shine, but unfortunately life happens and we feel like we have to dim our light or not show up as our truest self because of what people may say or judge us, or we just have to keep doing what we've been doing, right? Being the good girl. Or shine the light on other people, right? Oh, my kids, look, they're so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we just, we shy away from our own light. So I think that's a great end Mm -hmm. to this is just, yes, the, just ask yourself, when somebody looks at me, would they say I'm glowing? Mm-hmm. And if you're not glowing, find out what it is that makes you glow. Mm. I love that. And then start coming from that place because that's what Peter saw. He saw your glow. Yeah. yeah. And you had to find that before you could find him. Yeah. You're right. I, love I think that. with me, I, I found my guy and we rekindled. But for me, it was like admitting that the life I was living was not the life that I was supposed to live in many ways, just mm. not only uh, with the partner, but what I was right. doing. And that, that was, you know, it, I just think that's the best word to describe mm-hmm. it is when we are showing our best self. That's what we do. So yeah. thank you so much. This is such a great oh, conversation. Thank you, Lori. I know I had so much fun. Thank you. I feel like we're both glowing right now. It's like we're just yeah. like leaning into the computer. Just yeah. so great. Maybe that's why the light was shining so bright yeah. in the beginning. I, was, I had told her before we recorded. I don't, you can't even see my forehead. It's so bright. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, well uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you more. And uh, yeah, it's just the beginning of a internet friendship. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lori. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into the Living Your Spark second half podcast. If you'd like to watch my guest interviews, you can find the video version of this podcast on my Not Your Average Grandma YouTube channel. Also, you can check out what I have going on at the moment by going to my website at notyouraveragegrandma.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at Not Your Average Grandma. If you like this episode, please mention it to a friend and don't forget to leave a review so I know the topics you like best and can bring you more of that content in upcoming episodes. Last but not least, remember to always listen to that inner voice that will never steer you wrong and make living from the most sparked place possible your biggest priority. When we do that, we make the world a better place.